Hello, loves. Welcome back to this episode of Love You Always, a place you can come back to and receive inspiration, wisdom, and new insights from women who lead and live their life from love. This conversation is one that I could not wait to have because it's with my menstrual cycle coach, Claire Baker. Claire and I began this conversation with a meditation. You may notice that this is a new way I'm opening, and it's because I deeply believe that we are all living in such a fast-paced world. By offering a pause to settle in and to ground down together completely shifts the way we both arrive to the conversation. So the invitation is always for you to participate if you are not driving and in a safe space, or you can simply listen and observe. Claire is such a beautiful coach and human. She's a true model of living in alignment with your feminine cycle and creating a successful business from this place as well. I'm currently enrolled in Claire's menstrual cycle coach school and can confidently share that what I have learned has changed my life. One of my intentions of joining the school was to reconnect to my body, my feminine, and my cycle. This not only led to deeper connection, but I firmly believe that it contributed to my current pregnancy. What a miracle! So I will be forever grateful to Claire and her work. In this conversation, Claire and I have the pleasure to discuss four simple ways to experience practices to move out of the mind and into the body. These really allow you to notice and be more aware. I highly recommend you practice and try them. Express different parts of yourself, such as your wild woman, what it looks like to lean into your menstrual cycle versus living against it, accepting imperfection, and really showing up authentically, authentically in your work, in your life, and in your relationships. I hope you enjoy and I recommend having a journal nearby for this one. You may want to take some notes. Love you always. See you on the other side. Hello, Claire. Welcome. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here with you. I'm so, so pleased to have you on this podcast and to just really be in this space together. I have so much that I've learned from you, and I know that there's so much wisdom that will be translated and communicated to my community, but beyond through this conversation. So before we get started, I would love to just call you into a meditation so we can both feel grounded and supported here. So for the listeners, if you are listening, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes, but you can feel free to participate in this meditation as well. So when you're ready, just close your eyes if you feel safe and just begin with taking a full breath out, releasing the tension from your shoulders, from your back, letting go. And then taking a full breath, inhale. Exhale, releasing, letting go. And then as you inhale, begin to say in your mind, I am expanding, I am opening. And as you exhale, I am releasing, I am letting go. 
Inhale, I'm expanding, I'm opening. Exhale, I am releasing and letting go. Just a few more breaths on your own, in your own time and in your own mind. And then when you're ready, you can come into your heart space, maybe placing one hand over your heart, one hand over your belly, or both hands over your heart. Just really slowing down here, slowing down your breath. Noticing your inhale, noticing your exhale. And just take an inventory on how you are arriving in this conversation in this moment what is present in your body do you feel physically and then coming back into your heart if your mind was wandering Allow what needs to come forward. So what is on your heart today? What is on your mind today? Allowing that to be present. And if you begin to make meaning of it, just come back to your breath, inhaling through the nose, Exhaling through the mouth. And I would love for you to bring forward, what is it that your intention is for this call, for your day? Bring that forward. And then seal it with a full breath in. And maybe a sigh out. <sighs> and then when you're ready, just create some movement in your body. You can keep your eyes closed, maybe rolling out your wrists, opening up your arms, bringing them above your head, giving yourself a good stretch. Yeah. Maybe even stretch your face, take a smile, open and close your mouth. And then when you're ready, love for you to arrive with me. Mm. Open your eyes. Mm. And I would love for you, Claire, to share what's on your heart. Mm. What came through for you? Ah, gosh, I was really yawning a lot through that. I know it is. I was releasing. I could feel a lot of tension in my body. It's the end of my working day here in London as we're recording. And um, it's actually my first day back at work after about two months nearly off work. Um, And I could just feel that I just really noticed that there was some tension that had accumulated over the day that I felt really grateful to be releasing before we speak. And um, yeah, and then when I felt into my heart, 
I really just felt like I wanted to just really like embody love for our conversation and just feel like feel it circulate it just yeah relish in luxuriate in love <laughs> with mm. you. tell me more what does that mean for you ah uh, it's like I mean it sounds very <clears throat> sexual doesn't it um it's a choice to really be in the really be in my heart's energy and to move from joy and to be open and and open to what's alive like open to what's alive in our conversation or to what's alive in my life or in my body and to yeah kind of think of the opposite of of living from love as like a closing down a lot of fear and contraction so I'm just like you know I can really feel my like my shoulders moving back as I'm speaking about this and like my heart you know my literally my chest is opening and yeah it's a, an open aliveness and um feels really good <laughs> mm, I love how you took the words and were able to relate it to the body sensation, the body's response. And I even noticed it at the end of your meditation, you released your hair clip, you like mm-hmm. massaged your scalp, <laughs> you stretched your arms out wide. Like I could feel the openness occur in the energy and in our space as well, which I find such a powerful practice that most people aren't aware of how significant their body language impacts the way that they're receiving and giving their energy or just receiving information. Like Mm -hmm. if we didn't do that meditation, you might be coming from a completely different place than you are now, Mm -hmm. which also is a mirror for me because I would be coming from a completely different place if you were. Mm -hmm. And so For those who maybe feel like they don't have the um, emotional or physical intelligence to be able to release and open through their body as they're thinking Mm. in their mind, like, oh, I'm opening, I'm releasing. Mm. How how would you even describe or maybe mentor or suggest Mm. to someone that wants to experience more physical embodiment? Yes, there are four um, four practices or like portals into the body that I usually use and use with clients and groups. And um, you can start with just one or two and you can have a play with them all together. But the first is breath, which you just so brilliantly modeled and demonstrated the power of using the breath so really we are breathing all day you know every single day of our lives we're breathing and bringing just a little more consciousness and mindfulness to the breath and as you you know demonstrated that deep inhalation and the exhalation that can bring us into this into the body and into the sensation and, and of the the somatic 
experience of the body. Um, the second one is uh, is sound. So we can then begin to make some sounds as well. So we might notice like there's something going on mentally. There's plenty, like there's lots of thoughts or kind of an overwhelm. I find sound is a really useful way to just like disrupt that and to, um, yeah, again, to, yeah, come back into the embodied experience. So it might be something like a, like I do that a lot when I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed. I'll be like, oh, like, like just make some like grunts or like just a sound that captures like what's going on for me mentally. So it stops being this internal experience where you can just feel like you're on a bit of a hamster wheel of thinking and yeah it disrupts that it helps to get it out of the body and and expresses it and and it's quite playful and sometimes it just makes makes me laugh which always feels good um, <laughs> it's good scream as well is always you know a great sounding release too the third um, method that I use is movement so that can be really simple like just being in your seat and like rolling your shoulders or swelling your hips and um, maybe some dance or just practicing, you know, stretches at home. It could be a walk, like some kind of, of movement and moving the body in a way that, you know, you're being mindful about it. So you're not just flinging your limbs around, like really noticing what part of your body wants to move. Like you notice that I, uh, the end of that meditation, my arms stretched out and I really felt my heart open. So just noticing like which parts of your body want to move and, um, and want to, yeah, be expressed. And then the fourth is touch. So placing your hands somewhere on your body, like, like we did in that meditation, either on your heart or on your lower belly, or maybe giving your legs, a massage. I love massaging my arms as well. And my scalp, like you noticed, mm. just using touch again to bring ourselves into the present moment and into the experience of, of having a body. So we aren't just living, you know, from our neck up all of the time, like coming into, into the body and you can combine them all, you know, all four of those breath, touch, sound and movement together. You can just play with a couple, but they're really like quite easy ways, quite simple anyway, ways to, yeah, notice what's there. And it is just a noticing, like noticing, like noticing what's there. How, you know, how am I feeling? What sensations are there? Where do I want to be touched? Which parts of my body want to move? And how do I want to breathe? Or what sounds might I make? And even just a couple of minutes of that, you know, it can feel really silly and a bit weird, but just a couple of minutes of like, yeah, playing with those four, four portals into the body, I find, um, so settling and yeah it just brings me home mm. yeah even when you were describing that I wanted to like start to roll <laughs> my shoulders back and yeah and and I really agree with the sound piece and from my experience I remember listening to one of your meditations and being guided and then, and really giving myself permission to use my voice as mm -hmm. I release or as I experience that emotion. And I found that that really opened up a 
part of me that I was really scared to use, which was my voice. And I'm curious for you if through this embodiment practice and through these four portals, what have you learned about yourself? Mm. Parts of yourself maybe were blocked or constricted and scared. Um, And now through this work that you've been doing for 10 plus years, how has Mm. that changed for you? I have a very busy mind. I suspect most humans do, but I have always had a lot of thoughts and Mm. have found it challenging to, um, yeah, to just zone out. Like I, when I was younger, like in my twenties, probably I used alcohol quite a lot to do that, to really like just escape from what I was thinking or I would um, exercise like excessively and I and some of those things can be healthy in moderation and you know sometimes it was food or it was like sex or you know just something to escape myself so that I didn't have to be with whatever it was that I was like in this vortex of thinking around and so these practices have really helped me to honestly like go about my life and and not feel like I have to run away from something all of the time it's taught me that there's not like there's nothing that I'm going to experience in my body that is that is bigger than me like I can hold whatever is there even when it feels really big and overwhelming and um it's just given me yeah techniques to to release what isn't necessary like what I don't need anymore and then to also reconnect with other parts of myself that I would like to discover more so there's a, a you know a piece around the sound that's been so empowering for me to explore that more wild side to my personality because I am generally like quite a you know quite quiet person um I've allowed laugh but like I'm I don't so I don't talk a lot like I am I'm a fairly quiet person but learning how to use sound and how to really like feel what I'm feeling when the feelings are really overwhelming and very big and and to express them through my voice and to hear, you know, hear myself, like hear the bigness of my own voice. It's something I'm working on a lot this year, actually. I've been working with a vocal coach mm-hmm. to, yeah, express and use my voice and to make sound and to take up space using sound and be heard. That's been a really big part of my journey and and is definitely an ongoing one <laughs> wow yeah. that's also so inspiring I'd say the other piece would be the sensual mm. nature of of these like coming into my sensuality and connecting with my body and um it's been there have been big pieces in yeah my body image and like just acceptance and um yeah connecting with my sexuality and and sensual self so yeah not they're simple but they um can teach us a lot profound really profound 
Mm -hmm. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about this wild woman in you. Mm -hmm. Can you describe if you Mm -hmm. could paint a picture of who she is and what she does and, Mm -hmm. you know, give her the voice? What would you Mm -hmm. share? Gosh. So I'm on cycle day eight today of my cycle and she she normally hangs out on the other side of my cycle. So she's very Mm -hmm. much pre-menstrual. Claire. So today I don't feel like she's there quite as strongly as I think if we were to speak in a couple of weeks time, I'd probably be like, <laughs> you know, like it would really be, be there. Um, but I would say she, when I imagine her, she's in mud, like she's just in mud on all fours, like clawing at, at the dirt and like rubbing mud and dirt all over her and bare-breasted and like just howling and like yeah really um yeah very very sensual very free very unapologetic and um a lot of sound you know I really the sound piece is big for me and and that wild woman archetype like yeah being confident and feeling safe enough I think the safety piece is really big there too around feeling safe to use my voice and to make sound and to be heard um that's what she yeah she speaks she speaks like yeah she's heard so mm. well it's so it's it's really inspiring for me to hear that because I've I know you by being a teacher of mine. However, there's only so far that I get an insight into your world, right? And so I, it's inspiring for me to hear that even though you've been in tune with your body and in tune with yourself for so long, there are still parts of yourself that you're discovering. There are still teachers that you work with to express and and strengthen the muscle of your voice or other areas of yourself um so thank you for giving us us that description and visual because i think that's a part of women in particular that we're a little bit afraid to voice and to express um especially in our normal maybe like very clear channel or sober self that mm-hmm. might come out. The wild woman might come out when we're under the influence or around specific friends. Um, at least I'm speaking from my experience. Like mm-hmm. there's a part of me that also has that wild side that feels very confined and like there's only a certain place and time for her. And so I'd really love for you to share what your experience has been like with your menstrual cycle specifically and being able to identify that like she is more alive premenstrual for you mm-hmm. pre-bleed and being okay with that relationship to mm-hmm. to different parts of yourself so I don't know how far back you want to go when you started to create this relationship with your menstrual cycle um but I would love to share a little bit more of, of that depth with her with our audience I believe from memory it was Miranda Gray who first whose work I first encountered when she spoke about the different archetypes and how Mm. they 
are reflected in the menstrual cycle. I'd heard about the way that the inner seasons are mirrored in different phases of the menstrual cycle, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Um, but I believe it was Miranda Gray who was the first person I ever read um, writing about it. And yeah, the idea is that let's say that like pre-ovulation so that week after your bleeding is connected with your maiden years so the earlier years of life kind of sweet innocence like realm of possibility and playfulness and um it's more of a like a mental state of being then there's the ovulatory phase for which we can connect with the mother archetype and that's more about birthing our gifts in the world and being creative and having more responsibility, maturing, you know, full expression, full bloom, um, you know, whether that's birthing children or birthing other creative projects and that can be connected to that time in life. And then the premenstrual phase, that week before we bleed, is connected archetypally to this idea of the wild woman. Some people call her you know, the enchantress or maga, but essentially it's that phase of life, say postmenopausally, when we may not have the same responsibilities that we had. We are probably a little bit more free and we aren't burdened in some ways by our fertility, the fertile phase in the menstrual cycle has ended, but also the fertile phase in our lives has ended. And so there's this sort of like danger almost um, our culture and our society might perceive this kind of woman as a bit dangerous or a bit rebellious because, well, you know, what's she going to do with all of this like freedom now and this the you know this possibility and I see a lot of women in my life in that age group let's say like late 40s through to like mid 70s who just do like not give a shit anymore they're just like oh I just want to do what I want to do I don't want to think about anybody else for a while I just want to come back to what's true for me and like cut all my hair off and move to another country or whatever and just be wild and be free and not be constrained by the expectations of society. And I really, when I when I read about this, and just to finish that archetypal cycle, we could then say that menstruation is connected to the crone years, so 75 onwards till death. And then, of course, the cycle begins again. Um, but I read that and it really resonated with me because I'd only up until that point heard about the trilogy of the feminine being like maiden mother crone and it never really made sense to me that we went straight from you know this idea of in feminine spirituality that we go from mother to crone because there is a huge gap like all of the decades of life and also there's that week before we bleed we don't just go from ovulation to menstruation there is this week where we're transitioning between the two and we go into this darker aspect of our psyche and um you know our hormones are on the decline and we're kind of descending into these more shadowy parts of ourselves and that really spoke to me learning about that that it was normal to not feel like I had to be available to everyone all of the time and it was normal to feel like there were these more emotive moody kind of bitchier parts of myself that came out at that time and that that was okay, that I didn't have the patience or the capacity that I had when I was ovulating. Like it's perfectly normal to 
embrace like the part of me that is more boundaried and discerning and yeah speaks up and doesn't let stuff um just slide like and also is very introverted and and quiet and quite cozy and needs a lot of you know just time to myself so it was really useful when I first encountered that idea within my own cycle experience month to month because I was like okay cool there's going to be this week where I do just sort of descend back into myself and that's okay um and then also it helps me as I look forward in life like I'm 36 now yeah in about you know 10 or so 15 years I'll be in that phase of life as well and I wonder what that will be like to have you know a whole couple of decades of life of just being in that energy and who might I be you know who might I become so it's um yeah the wild woman she's um a very feared in our society and and not as revered as the mother oh the maiden but um yeah she's she's really cool and she takes care of us like she's she makes sure that we don't give more than we have to give. And she, she really brings us back home to ourselves. I'm sure so many, so many of us need to hear that to be reminded Mm -hmm. that there are so many layers to ourselves, right? Like there are so Mm -hmm. many parts, especially of the feminine body that reveal so much wisdom Mm -hmm that at least from my experience, were actually taught and trained and conditioned to look elsewhere, to mm-hmm. look in the library, to look on TV, to look on social media, like look elsewhere to, to tune into your body or to know and learn about your body. Where what I, what I have found through your teachings around the menstrual cycle is that there's endless information possibility and wisdom that live within our biology, within our cycles. And I am fortunate that I was off birth control and was able to really receive the information because I was in my natural cycle. Um, Did you ever come up against that early on when you first started to discover more about your body and this wild woman, like, was there resistance because of how maybe you were raised or because of birth Mm -hmm. control and, and, and the ways that we've been taught for so long that have been quote unquote working. And Mm -hmm. how did you move through that? How did you face and maybe, and, and yeah, really receive what you needed to in that moment? Mm, I mean, it's an ongoing journey, this one, definitely. I I mean, you could ask my husband. I'm not the friendliest sometimes on the final days of my cycle, <laughs> right before I bleed. That is when I am most likely to be argumentative or to re, um, you know, react in the moment and to bite back or pick a fight, like... I wish, yeah, I could, yeah, it's definitely like, I think for me, the the biggest piece in all of this is, um, is loving those parts of myself as well. Like I have shadowy aspects to my 
psychic personality. You know, I'm not perfect. And I have perfection, but but I have perfectionist tendencies. And so getting to know this wild woman inside me has been a process of accepting that fact that I'm not actually perfect Mm. and that sometimes when she's not listened to enough or when I haven't really been, yeah, taking the time to connect in with her or giving myself the time I need premenstrually, um, I'm not much fun to be around and like I can, you know, there's this kind of like shadowy part that comes out that I don't, that I find hard to love. You know, I really do. I find it hard to love, but that's, that's mm. the biggest, that's my biggest challenge is loving those parts. Cause it's really easy to love the parts of ourselves that are like generous and really just social and caring all the time and have all the patience in the world. And, you know, really creative and just like productive, <laughs> which for me is, you know, kind of my spring and my, my summer, like in my cycle, but it's, it's the like kind of selfish, <laughs> like, yeah, like impatient, um, darker shadowy aspects of myself that I really like I'm still you know every cycle you face you face with them you're faced with these parts of yourself that you kind of wish you maybe didn't have but Mm. they're there and so loving them allowing them to be there and also noticing what they're what they're really about you know often it is like Claire you need to take a bit more time yourself you need to slow down you need to just like take care of you because if I don't do that that's when it gets it can get nasty um and I hear this a lot from clients you know people who say to me god I just wish I could be kinder to my partner in that week before I bleed like I just find that really hard to be in the same house as, you know, as anyone else. Like I just want to run away into the woods and be alone during that time. I don't want to have to deal with anything or anyone. And so, um, yeah, we've got to take responsibility for creating systems of support and Mm. for our own self-care and also recognise that we live in a world that doesn't revere um the menstrual cycle or our changing cyclical feminine body and so you know women have been um living in a very you know in a patriarchal society for some time and we've got a lot of anger about that and a lot of frustration and so it's also really normal to to have a lot of emotions come up in in the emotional body during that week and yeah that's definitely been my biggest teacher with this work and I think it will just continue me too yeah yeah well I definitely see that I see it as someone who has received your coaching received your teaching and I'm curious if you could let us into behind the curtains a little bit of behind Mm -hmm. the business side of your work and Mm um how you've been able to integrate such intention and embodiment in the way that you work um 
did that come naturally as soon as you started to, to tune in with your cycle? Was that something that you had to completely rewrite for yourself? Mm-hmm. Share us, share with us a little bit more around how you've been able to lead with love and lead with your body in your business and in your success. Yeah, I've been really lucky to have some great teachers of my own who have modeled that kind of, um, I guess, like nervous system regulation Mm. that I have been in reception of. So I've been able to be, you know, in their learning spaces and notice the way that they model that kind of embodiment and an intention that you speak about and I don't I wouldn't have been able to have built this business and I've been coaching now for 10 years there's no way I could have done this if I had have approached it from the way that I see a lot of people operating in business like a very hustle you know hustly like getting it, you know, getting it done, ticking stuff off all of the time. Like I definitely have the capacity to be very productive and to, and to do a lot. Like that's in my nature for sure. But, um, we can't be on like that all the time. And I felt really clear about that pretty early on. Like I have, um, as you know, as I've shared, I'm naturally quite a quiet person and I would definitely identify as an introvert and a highly sensitive person. So I've always known that I'm just not fit for like a corporate space or, or an office. Like I, it's why I started working for myself. So, you know, early on, because I just knew that that was never going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And so if I was then going to set up my own, business and my own working hours and my own style of work um I was it was going to have to be different and so I actively sought out people who I could see from what I could tell were similar to me in their temperament and in their desires and in their creative life and I wanted to know like how they did it and and what kinds of strategies they implemented and um, and I made sure to be, you know, in their spaces to really receive that sort of grounded presence. And like I said earlier, that nervous system regulation, people who were obviously taking care of themselves and who were really resourced from within and, and prioritized feeling well um, in order to to create and to show up for other people and people who had great boundaries. So I have to really, you know, thank the teachers that I've had early on in my career, but I I constantly seek them out, you know, like I am always keen to, to, I'm curious as well. I think think you you are too, like how other people create and how they choose to show up and the different kinds of ways that we can do that now in the world. So it's, it's, to me, honestly, it's felt necessary. I totally essential. I couldn't have taken a traditional route of starting a business um I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't have worked (laughs) you're like nope not it was it's not happening (laughs) I love your clarity and your discernment around that it's it's very clear um 
I'm assuming, and I would love to hear your perspective on, I'm assuming, so you just came back from two months off. You've been also off of Instagram, social media. How has that been in your body? How has that experience been? And is is that an example on how you integrate menstrual cycle and embodiment into your practice? And that's the first question. And then the follow-up is... Have you ever felt the tension that lives in the social media world of how do I show up authentically? Do I need space or is it a fear of being seen? Like that that pull and push that I experience. And I'm curious because I'm a very similar energy to you. Like how do you work through that? Um, mm-hmm. So I'll end there. I'll pause. Yeah. Yeah, so I just took a couple of months off. I did the same thing last year. This time of year, I don't know. When it's it's winter right now as we're recording this, and I I just want to be like curled up at home. I I don't feel motivated during winter, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think um, again, I think our culture would suggest that there was something wrong with me because I just kind of feel like being curled up on the sofa and hanging at home and going for walks and and not really being productive. Um, I'm most productive during spring and autumn and that's both in my menstrual cycle and also in the seasons of the year. Like I get a lot done during those months and then during the summer I just want to be on holidays and relax and you know chill and then during winter I I just want to hibernate and it's it's when I do a lot of my planning during winter it's when I do a lot of reflecting on the last year it's when I kind of get my system sorted so while I haven't been showing up for clients or on social media um you know I've got a lot of like financial systems organized for the year and I've, I've done my visioning and I've done my planning and those things are really important, like the vision and the direction of a business and getting systems in alignment. And they're quite hard to do when you're kind of just in the day-to-day of your of your life, like in the day-to-day of your business life. I find it anyway. I find it easier to just take a chunk of time, say, right, I'm just going to rest and reflect and just chill and like let the ideas percolate and compost and just come to alignment and then move forward from that place. And um, I was a few years ago, I read in a book called Company of One by a guy called Paul Jarvis. I first read about, um, he he gave an example of a case study of a client of his who just takes three months off every year, like a sabbatical, three months every year. And I actually started to cry. Like, oh my God, that's what I want. I want to just be able to disappear for three months of the year. And yeah, yeah, right? I was like, ah, that sounds so good. And I just made the decision, okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to start working towards that. I'm going to start working towards that. So yeah, I did six weeks last winter and then two months this winter. And it feels really good. And it's, you asked how it's felt in my body. And, um, Ah, oh, great. Really? Really great. Yeah, really great. And relaxed and I've been sleeping better and um pre- like interestingly, like 
premenstrually. That's often when stress shows up in my cycle and I just have like the cruisiest like premenstrual week right before my last bleed. I was just like gliding through it, feeling really sensitive still and like attuned to the world as I usually do when I'm premenstrual, but without any of the frustration and the like aggra- you know, aggravated energy that I can sometimes feel then when I just like demands on me. <laughs> so mm. yeah, it was pretty lovely. And I will dip my toe back into social media slowly because I do have a complicated relationship with it for sure. Um, I think a lot of us are asking questions at the moment, right, around how we use social media as a tool, a marketing tool in our businesses without it becoming this, yeah, like energy vortex and without it being a place that our inner critic just runs rampant, you know, comparing ourselves to others and the not enoughs and the should be doing this. And, um, yeah, where are you at with social media? What's your current, like, relationship like with it? (sighs) When you say the energy, like, vortex I clinch up because it's it's um a push and pull relationship for me I do go through spurts of like really loving it as a tool to express my creativity but even in those moments the inner critic is right there and so it takes a lot of inner work for me to move past that um And then when I take the time off, it usually takes about a week for me to really let go. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because my business is not driven through social media. That Mm -hmm. is not how I interact with my clients. It's not how I grow my business, at least at this point. Um, And so I think I'm still figuring out my relationship to it and Mm -hmm. how I want to be showing up um, through, through the lens of social media, because I have a, I have a part of me that likes to be very private and quiet and intimate. And then I also have that wild woman side to me. That's like, I just want to be free and express and share my voice and be heard. Um, so it ebbs and flows. And to your point around, like being in that space of question, Mm -hmm. um, is really where I fall right now. And when I tend to be in that space, I tend to pull back, um, Mm. which feels safer and just more authentic to, Mm -hmm. to my nervous system. Um, but it's very psychological. It's Mm -hmm. very, um, It can be very confusing. I can waste a lot of energy and time. Mm. I had a friend come off Instagram entirely. Like she deleted her account and she ran her business from a big, well, it was was a marketing, one of her marketing streams, simply because she felt like she was wasting not only time just on the app itself, but just thinking about whether or not she should be on the app or not. Like it was just like, even when I'm not on it, I'm thinking about whether I should be 
on it or not so she just made the decision to come off it Mm. um because it was just not serving her at all and I think having breaks like you know I'm having now and you've you've just you've described as well I, I think that's really useful whenever we're yeah in question with anything in our life sometimes just taking a step away and and taking a break is is helpful I think it also works to remind us that it's just it's just one way of communicating with our people and I love hearing that it's you know it's not it's not necessary now for where you are in your business and I would say pretty confidently that I could also run my business without it as well yes it has been brilliant for for my business and for building community and for building a brand and for sharing stories and um and I love it for that Uh, I really do and I don't plan to come off it at, at all but my work doesn't live there. Like my body of work does not live there. And I have always been really clear about that. If you want to work with me and you want my creative gifts and you want to really receive from me, then Instagram is not the place where that's going to happen. It's it's really not. It's going to be in a course with me or in a book or, you know, via a one-to-one session or by listening to a podcast or reading a newsletter of mine. Like there's so many other ways that we can really connect and and share ourselves. But Instagram is a great place to give the, you know, the like very light touch of, of who you are and what your what your brand and business is about. For me, it's never been a place to share my best content or to, mm. yeah, like I say, deliver my body of work for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, it takes a lot of time and energy for, for a post that might live on people's grid for, you know, on their feed for about three seconds. Um, you don't own any of the content either. Like mm. that content does not belong to you. Um and three, I, I find it a bit of a, yeah, a tricky place to hang out. Whereas if I'm sat down writing a blog post, for example, or like we are right now recording a podcast episode together, or I'm creating curriculum for one of my courses, like it's just a very different energy of creating. There's not that instant gratifying hit that you get with Instagram. So you're not getting that like hit right away. But I think it's important to make a distinction between, you know, what these different places where we create what they are. And for me, Instagram is not a place where I deliver my greatest content and that's fine because it's, it's a marketing channel and it's a place where I can connect with people and build community. And like I say, help to build my brand, but yeah, it's, um, it only, and therefore it only deserves to have X amount of hours of my time Mm -hmm. because, and my time and my energy and my attention, um, we could spend all day on there, right? But like, then what? Like, what have you got to show for that? I, I want to have a body of work that is that has roots and mm. um, that is long lasting and has a legacy. And bits of that can filter over, and the overflow can definitely be, come into Instagram, and we can share, like I say, like the you know the top notes of that 
but if you want the like <laughs> deep pace, then you, you know, you've got to come and actually really be in communion with me and my work. So that's how I see it. And that does help for me to prioritize how I spend my time. Oh, <laughs> I feel so seen and I respond to that. I really um, appreciate your vulnerability around the value you you believe in yourself and believe in your body of work and how a marketing channel doesn't define that mm-hmm. value for you where i think a lot of early business owners or early actually anyone in life can can get distracted or create a relationship that it actually does define their body of work or does define their value um so that really opened up and like struck something within me to to reflect on that. Um, I very mm. much resonate with with what mm. you shared. Mm. Okay, deep breath. Whew. I feel I feel the inspiration and the energy and the mm. love. And I would love to wrap up with you really sharing however you feel called, like what is your greatest version of love? Mm. Mm. I just think of people right away. Like I just saw my husband, I see my parents, I see my family, my friends, like the older I get, the more I really realize that life is about relationships and it's about the people in your life and as yeah as I've mentioned a few times now as an introvert who does need a lot of time alone and could probably go and live in a cabin by myself quite happily <laughs> um I do actually have to remind myself of that sometimes that like oh, it's really it's really important to nurture these relationships and to really put the energy and the effort in because um that's what's most that's actually what's most important I show up best for those relationships when I have taken care of myself so you know and I have had time alone so it's definitely a balance of both I know I'm not I'm not nourished by in person like by being with people in the same way that I'm nourished by solitude but um Oh yeah, my best version of love is people and the you know, the key handful of people in my life that matter the most to me. Such a powerful reminder. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. To relationships. And I love how you've been expressed how that's something that as you've gotten older, that bond or that relationship becomes even more meaningful for you which you can as you're growing you can kind of lose sight of those relationships Mm -hmm. or lose sight of what really is most uh, most important or a priority so Mm. ah, just feels good to receive that thank you so Mm. so much Claire for your energy for your time and just being here, being willing to be in this conversation with me with very little guidance <laughs> outside of the scope of co-creating and being in a space of love. So I'd love for you to share if you're open to it, where people or the audience can reach you if they do want to connect with you, learn more about what you offer. Um, where can they go? 
Well, my website is clairebaker.com, which is C-L-A-I-R-E-B-A-K-E-R.com. And there you can find, like I said, like the deep base of my work. So there's courses and opportunities for coaching and there's free classes and menstrual cycle charts and all of that stuff there. Um, if you do want to hang out on social media, then I am at underscore Claire Baker underscore. Um, and maybe by the time this is released, I will be back online <laughs> sharing things over there on social media. Um, I think that's it, basically. My book, um, you can find in bookstores that's called 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods, and you can find it in your bookstore or also online. Um, so I just want to thank you better for having me on your podcast and just really want to celebrate the legacy that you're creating and the body of work you're building here because it's it's very beautiful and it's been a real pleasure to be in the energy of this creation of yours. Mm, big, massive virtual hug to you. <laughs> and just to reiterate, I did take Claire's Mental Cycle Coach School and I'm still in it. I'm still working with the material and it is so profound. And I will share more about this on a separate episode, but it really contributed to my life mm. to the point where I am now creating a child and birthing a child because of the intimacy and the connection I was able to build with my body through your course as an element that I dove into. And so I'm forever grateful for you and the work that you have put out into the world. And I'm so excited to see where our relationship goes. And so <laughs> I will be in touch, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, so much love. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Claire Baker and myself, Betta and Twistle. If you have any questions or feedback, you can always reach me at my email, elizabettacoaching at gmail.com. I hope you have an extraordinary day. Sending love. <laughs>